If you are here for the first time or if you're watching on our YouTube channel for the very first time and you do not have a home church, then we want to say to you, welcome home. All right. We are going to dive in to a brand new message series today. Like Pastor Tito said, you have your program. As you came in, you'll see the, the front of your program are things we have coming up. On the back of the program, you'll see some fill-in-the-blanks. That is how we keep up with our messages here at New Life. And so we're going to go through those fill-ins through the message. But like I said, we are launching a brand new message series today called If Only, If Only, If I Only Had a Brain. (laughs) No one was thinking that, but I just wanted to sing that. If Only. Have you ever said that before? I think we all have at some point said, man, if only I had more money. If only my church had my favorite Dutch Brothers order, right? I know everyone here says that. If only the Packers were as good as the 49ers. I know everybody says that in here. Okay, I'm just, I'm the only one. If I'm only, yeah. But we know that we could come up with a whole list of if onlys, if if only this, if only that. But really that we, really we all know that our if onlys are actually uh, much more serious than that. Most of the time, our if-onlys are, if I only had a different spouse, if only I had, uh, if only I hadn't messed up my life, if only I could overcome this struggle, if only I could beat this addiction, if only I could fill in the blank with your own if-only. I think there's this universal cry in our human heart, all for a better world. There's a human, there's a cry from the human heart for a better world, for a better life, for for a safer world. There's this this cry in our heart for change and for things to be different, for things to be better than they are. Our if-onlys reveal something inside of us. They reveal some of our our deepest longings. Some of our if-onlys reveal our deepest regrets. Some of our if-onlys reveal our highest hopes, things that, we could, things that we wish that we could change about our past that certainly would allow for a different present, for a different today. And all throughout the Bible, you read about people who had their own personal if-onlys. The people of Israel wandered in the desert saying, if only God had wiped us out in Egypt instead of bringing us out here in the wilderness to die. Job cried out, if only God would just kill me. People have said that all throughout the Bible. God, why, why are you allowing me to live? Just kill me, God. David wrote over and over, if only God would wipe out my enemies. And he also said, if only my heart would just stay connected to God. Why do I allow my, my soul, my spirit to continue to wander away from God? If only my heart would stay aligned with God. Mary and Martha told Jesus, if only you'd been here, then our brother Lazarus wouldn't have died. The woman with the issue of blood was bleeding for 12 years, said, if only I can touch Jesus, if only. It's our universal cry, if only things were different, if only things were changed. Well, this series is actually transitioning out of the last series that we just came from. The Bible doesn't say that, where we looked at beliefs or statements that we believe are in the Bible, but actually aren't. And if you missed any of those messages in that series, go back to our YouTube channel. You can catch up. But so many of those belief systems were founded around us putting our hope and our trust in ourselves or our hope and our trust in someone else other than Jesus in him alone. So over the next few weeks, we're going to 
dive in and we're gonna discover the truth about where we really find our contentment, where we really find our satisfaction, where we really find life. Because this is what Jesus said in John 10, 10. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, as we begin this series, Lord, I pray that your words will pierce our hearts, and I pray, God, that you will speak your words through your servant to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You see, our enemy Satan wants to steal away what God has placed deep on the inside of you. Did you know that? He wants to kill and destroy your hope and your joy and even your very life. But Jesus desires that we walk in abundance and life and overflowing to the fullest. So we're going we're, we're gonna to look at some of these if-onlys over the next several weeks that we really kind of hold on to that's genuinely robbing us of our joy in Jesus, of our life in Jesus in all its fullness. So today we're going to look at how we bring our if-onlys into relationships because relationships affect us all. Relationships are super important. We talk about them a lot here at New Life. Relationships are where we find significance. Relationships are where we find security. But more than anything, relationships are where we find love. You see, God set us up and God designed us with a void in our heart and in relationship, that void gets filled. And I want you to hold on to that thought just for a few minutes because we're gonna go somewhere else with that and it's a little more than you think. But you think about a puzzle. When little kids, you know, they have the shapes puzzle. They have all these shapes. They have the triangle. They have the star. They have the square. They have the circle. And then you give them the puzzle of where each shape belongs. And if you sit there and watch them long enough, you know, they figure it out, don't they? Even as little as they are, they'll, they'll have the circle one. And I can remember with all my kids, and you're just watching them go, nope, 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 over there, right there. And they kind of, they're, they're trying to just cram it into the wrong one. And you're like, no, that's not the right one. But they end up figuring it out if they try hard enough. And as adults, we struggle with the same thing. All in our life in our relationships, in our jobs, in our careers. We try to find relationships to fit the void in our heart for purpose and significance and love. We keep trying and trying, and we find ourselves frustrated and empty because we're trying to put the wrong relationship in the right shape. We keep trying to find the perfect human relationship that's going to perfectly meet our needs, and then we'll be happy. And then we'll be content. And then life might suddenly make sense if I find that perfect human relationship, if only. What's amazing is that so many of us keep thinking that that perfect relationship, quote unquote, will do it. And then when that relationship is over, we move on to the next one. And then we move on to the next one and the next one. And even though we start seeing that it's not working, we keep trying Human relationship after human relationship. It can be a romantic relationship. It could be a family connection, even a close friend. And we still come up with that space void and empty because it can't be filled by humans. In the Bible, 
Solomon, the wisest guy who ever lived, struggled with the same concept. In fact, he said in his, uh, in, 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 in his journal, the, the book of Ecclesiastes, he said, everything under the sun, he's tried everything under the sun to fill this void in his heart. And he actually writes this. I said to myself, I said to my heart, come now, let's just see what might fill up that place in my heart. Thousands of years ago, King Solomon even expressed how he had this void in his spirit, this void in his heart that he was trying to fill with everything under the sun, but wasn't doing it. And by the end of his life, after trying it all, he said this, quote, you know what I discovered? It's all meaningless. It's just like chasing after the wind. Why? Because you can't cram the wrong piece into the wrong spot. And you can't use the things of this world to fill the God-shaped place in your soul. Look what Solomon ended up writing at the end of his life, Proverbs 19. He said this, what a person desires is unfailing love. After trying to fill this void with everything under the sun, he said, it's all meaningless. And what a person desires is unfailing love. The problem is we tend to go looking for love in all the wrong places. Like the old country song says, right? There are millions of books about love and romance. And we watch movies about love. And there's thousands of songs about love. All you need is love. Love makes the world go round. Love is a many-splendored thing. Love is a crazy little thing. Love hurts. Love shack, baby. <laughs> you can't hurry love. Love is a battlefield. Love is like a heat wave. My Lord, what else can we say about love? We even sing along. Ain't no mountain high, ain't no valley low, ain't no river wide enough to keep me from loving you, babe. <laughs> Sounds like someone needs a restraining order more than it does a... So yeah, I think Solomon was right that there is a desire for unfailing love. Maybe today for you is the day that God wants you to take a really close look at your relationships and see the truth about them. To move away from if I only had relationships that could save me to recognizing that the only relationship that will bring you life is your relationship with Jesus. Because maybe your relationships have been marked by this almost compulsive desire to please others. You are a diehard people pleaser. You strive and you work so hard to make everyone else happy and yet your heart is empty. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe, maybe you think all the relationships in your life are to please you for what you want and for what makes you happy and for what you can get. Maybe your needs are so deep. Maybe your longings are so incomplete that you attach yourself to people hoping that they'll supply what you need and you drain them because they simply can't do it because they don't have enough for you. Maybe you've been disappointed because of someone else's lack or because of someone else's shortcomings. Maybe you're in a home or you grew up in a home where your parents lack the ability to love you and care for you and nurture you like you needed. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in a marriage where your spouse's control leaves you feeling empty and dry and void of life. And maybe right now you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend that because of their own self-centeredness is demanding things from you that you don't want to give and quite honestly, you know you shouldn't be giving. Sex. Sex. 
Yeah, that word. And you find yourself compromising who you are and what you believe. Any of these sound familiar? Any of these you? Oh, it's quiet this morning. (laughs) Y'all don't want to talk to me today. We're going to get somebody, right? If so, listen, you are not alone. It's a lot of us. You think, if only it could be different, God does have something different for you today. He wants to speak truth into you, and he wants to bring life to you. So here's the reality of our if-only struggle. There are things that are out of place in our lives. There are things that are missing in our lives, and our misplaced hope, our if-only things were different, isn't the answer. There's something more. So if you're taking notes this morning, you'll see this on the back of your program. Number one, God gives me a gift in relationships. God gives me a gift in relationships. Here's the truth. God is for relationships. Relationships are a good thing. But God never intended relationships to leave you wounded and wanting. They were meant to be a gift from God. I think We all get that at some level, but rather than looking at social media or the latest streaming guide to show us, there's something way more reliable, and it's called our Bible. We need to open up God's word to see how God wants us to view relationships. The Bible shows us relationships that fail. He shows us relationships that succeed. God shows us over and over the truth about relationships. It's not just gossip. It's not just feel-good tips but how to thrive and really live. From the very beginning, God showed how relationships should be, going all the way back to Genesis 2. Then the Lord said to God, it is not good for the man to be alone. And the man said, amen, right? All of us agree with that. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Did you know that word helper? In the Hebrew means to come alongside and make better. There you go, women. To come alongside and make man better. Did you know it's also the same word that God uses about himself when he was saying that he's coming alongside to help the nation of Israel? The same word that God used for himself to come alongside the nation of Israel is the same word that he uses for when he created woman. To come alongside and make man better. God had good things in store for us when it comes to relationships, that we could find friendship and connections and empathy. How do we know the relationships around us are a gift? Because they help me know and love God better. They help me understand who I am in God's eyes. Now, that's not always easy. It's not always a smooth and conflict-free Uh, resolution. In fact, sometimes God uses the difficulty, sometimes God uses the conflict in our relationships to refine us and grow us. Maybe you've heard the scripture that iron sharpens iron. Do you know what happens when iron hits iron? Sparks fly. (laughs) And sometimes sparks have to fly to make us better for each other. But in the midst of that, these gifts of relationships allow God to work in me. But Do you see your relationships this morning as a gift? I have people in my life who encourage me. I have people in my life who challenge me. I have people in my life who hold me accountable, who speak truth into my life, who hold up the mirror so that I can see the reality of who I am in God's eyes. I'm not less when I'm with those people. I'm better. 
and I'm richer. Write this down for number two. I can dig deep into my relationships. I can dig deep into my relationships. When relationships wound us and take from us, we're often left with this internal struggle. We want relationships to be a gift, fulfilling the if only that resonates with us. But sometimes the struggle leads us to asking some of the most basic questions of our identity. Like, who am I? I just don't even know who I am anymore. I've lost my identity because of this relationship that I'm in. Here's a question that I know people ask when it comes to unhealthy relationships. How did I become this person? How did I get here with him? How did I get here with her? If only someone could fix this. If only someone could fulfill me. If only I could find my true self in this relationship. In the Old Testament, there's a story that you've probably heard before. It's the story of Samson. Uh, You can read about it in the book of Judges in the Old Testament, chapter 16. Now, we mostly... When we hear of Samson, we mostly know of Samson as this big strong man, right? Who did all these incredible feats. But I'm actually convinced that Samson looked just like a regular guy. He looked like all the other Jewish men back thousands of years, years ago, probably 5'7", 5'8", 140, 150 pounds. I don't think that he was this big, huge, strong guy. Because they kept trying to figure out, quote, how does he do all of these things? If he was massively built, Ripping muscles, everyone, wouldn't have, everyone would think, well, of course, look at the guy. He's jacked. This guy's yoked. No wonder he can do all these things that he's doing. But they kept trying to figure it out. How does he do all of these crazy strengths? He enters into this relationship with Delilah, some of you that know the story. And here's the bottom line of the story. Samson lost his identity. He lost who he was. He would toy around with Delilah. He would tease her a little bit, but ultimately he lost the things that mattered most. He lost his relationship with God, the thing that he had built his whole life around. He lost his identity. He lost the traits and commitments that had marked his life, his entire life. His weaknesses were exploited. He lulled into a false sense of security, and in the end, he lost by being physically blind and imprisoned and and losing the purpose for which God created him, he lost himself. And if you and I are not careful, relationships can steal from us all that God has created us to be, our true and authentic self. You see, relationships were meant to be a gift from God, but never to take the place of God. Let me say that again. Relationships are meant to be a gift from God, but never to replace God. And when they do, you're going to feel empty. God is is not to be missing in your life because a great relationship suddenly showed up. Think about it. A great relationship showed up, and now you began to Especially if they're an unbeliever, you begin to back away from God. Your reading time, your devotion time becomes less and less. Your prayer time becomes less and less. I saw this dozens and dozens of times in my 20 years of being in youth leadership. I used to tell my students all the time do not date an unbeliever. 
Because they would come into it with the, with, with the preconceived notion as, hey, I've got this boyfriend, I've got this girlfriend, I just started dating. They, they, don't come, they won't come to church with me, but I promise I'm going to win them over for Jesus. And every time I would say, nope, they're going to pull you out of church. Watch it happen. They were there every week, and then they were there three times a week, and then once a, or, or three times a month, and then once a month. And then they would disappear. And then I would show up months later, and I would say, where you been? Ah, my boyfriend broke up with me or my girlfriend broke up with me. Sometimes they would be broken because they had given away something that I warned them not to give away. I would say, did you have sex with them? Yep, I had sex with them. And now they broke up with me and now I don't know what I'm gonna do. And they would come back and I would say, never let a relationship pull you away from God. Never let that boyfriend, never let that girlfriend pull you away from God. Friendships, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, we try to make them feel what was never meant for them to feel. Sometimes stepping back, digging deep, and taking inventory can move us from being robbed to being enriched. On the back of your note sheet, you'll see under number two, we have some questions that we want you just to kind of evaluate. Let's go through these questions together. Question number one, do I like the person I am in this relationship? Do I like the person I am in this relationship? Do you like who you are in your current relationship? A great way to, uh, to kind of gauge this is ask some godly people in your life that you trust. It's not a question just to ask anyone, people you work with or go to school with or people you don't trust. I'm talking about godly people that you trust. Ask them that question. Do you see me different? Am I a different person because of this relationship for the good or the bad? Here's another question. Does this person want the best for me? Or are they threatened by you? Are they out for, for what only they want? Do they take advantage of you? Do they use you? Do they abuse you? If the honest answer is yes, run. Remember Samson. Samson lost his identity, lost everything that God had developed and grown in him because of this relationship. So run. Here's the third question. Do I find myself compromising standards I know are best for me? Or in, in, in order to gain acceptance or approval, am I playing fast and loose with what really matters? Another way of looking at it is this. Do you find yourself justifying actions that you know are wrong just so you won't, quote unquote, lose this person? Listen, everyone in here has people in your life you need to send this message to that are in a relationship that they are willing to compromise their standards because they don't want to lose this person. Send them this message. Are you going further sexually than you ever thought just because of pressure? Are you participating in an activity where you have to tell your heart and your conscience and the Holy Spirit to be quiet? Because your heart and your conscience and the Holy Spirit are screaming at you, don't, don't do that. Say no, walk away, run, leave. And we're telling them to be quiet. Listen, if they really love you and they care about you, they will not pressure you to compromise. They'll help strengthen your convictions along with your own, their own. If they really love you, if they really care about you, they will help you and encourage you to be the person that God has created you to be. Here's the last question. Does this relationship enable me to become the person I'm created to be? Because it should. Does it help you grow and develop and deepen? Now, if you're in a non-negotiable relationship, meaning that 
It's a spouse or your parents or your children or your sibling. Maybe we went through some of these questions and you answered, you kind of indicated you're not in a really healthy space with some of these relationships. And you heard me say, run, but you're married, so don't run. Or it's your parents or it's your children or your siblings. So, you know, running isn't always an option, right? We understand that. Okay, if you find yourself in a deficit and you're playing the if only these were different people scenario, what do I do? I have a deficiency in this relationship. I'm not getting what I need mentally or emotionally or relationally or physically. Well, first, surround yourself with people who really know you and can speak that truth into those places where God does see the best in you and where God has dreams for you. You're maybe at a loss in one area and God wants to fill that deficit and he has riches in other relationships. And who knows, you may see God at work in powerful ways, redeeming some of these hard relationships. And if you find a loss, then maybe you need to go even deeper and seek out additional resources, maybe counseling or maybe help with reconciliation. But listen, don't give up. It leads us to the ultimate answer that we all need to take hold of. Now, listen, one thing I do want to say here is that if you are feeling a deficit in your marriage, listen to your pastor. I'm not saying go and find that deficit. Go and find where you can achieve this, you know, to fulfill this deficit with someone of the opposite sex. No, no, no. Don't say, well, pastor said, you know, I'm, I'm not getting relationally or mentally or emotionally or physically from my wife, but the girl next door... The girl in the cubicle next door, I think she, she really understands me. No, no, no. That leads to affairs. That leads to sin. Find someone that you trust, another godly man, another godly woman that can speak into your life. And write this down for number three. A relationship with God is the perfect fit. A relationship with God is the perfect fit. Like we said, our tendency is to go to the, if only I had the right relationship with different or better people, then I would be fulfilled and content. Guys, we put so much emphasis on one person, don't we? On one man, on one woman to meet all of our needs. And nobody can ever do that except for God himself. To quote the the great 20th century philosopher, Jerry Maguire. You know the movie with Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger. There's three great famous lines in that movie, if you remember them. Show me the money. All right, I heard somebody say that. Show me the money. You had me at hello, and you complete me. You complete me, yeah. Listen, next month, Janet and I will have been married for 30 years, three decades. Can you believe it? How anyone... I know you're clapping for her. Uh, how, how anyone can tolerate this dude for three decades is beyond me, but she's done it. I can't even begin to tell you how much we did not have when we got married. <laughs> I mean, we were beyond broke. Broke people felt sorry for us. That's how much we didn't have. Date night for us was finding enough change. And she, but my, my, my babe's over here. She can say that. We found enough change for 39-cent tacos at Taco Bell and the $1.99 rack at the video store. That was our date night. But we had love. <laughs> That's all we needed, young and in love. Now, listen, while I love 
my woman, with every fiber of my being, and I know in my heart that God has given her to me. Janet does not complete me. She doesn't. She makes me better. She compliments who God created me to be, but she doesn't complete me. She can't complete what God has already made whole. She can't be Jesus to me. And guess what? I don't complete her. I can't fill the God-like shape in her heart. You know why? I'm not supposed to. That's not my job. That's God's job. To expect another person or relationship to complete you and to fill you up, to fill up this God-like hole in you is setting that relationship up to fail. It's unfair. It's unrealistic. It leads you to the if-onlys that reveal inside of us, like we said, our deepest longings, our deepest regrets, and our highest hopes. Things you wish you could change about the past that would have allowed for a different today. Don't allow culture and ideologies and selfishness to lead you into this false sense of what this person may may do in your life that only God can do to fill that God-shaped hole. Because God says, come to me. I will fill that place in your soul. I will be your strength. I will be your supply. Come be with me and let your life with me enrich every other part and relationship in your life. Listen to this. Psalm 27 says this. My heart has heard you say, this is King David. My heart heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path. I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. So today, are you ready? When life and relationships have left you longing for wholeness, a desire in your life for change, for things to be different and better than they are, the answer is not a wish for if only. It's a relationship for the one who is eternally faithful and constant and good. And that's Jesus. Remember the words of Jesus when he said, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added. When we pursue a growing and healthy relationship with Jesus first, that's the only way that our other relationships will be healthy and growing. My challenge to all of us today is that if you are in unhealthy relationships, look at your relationship with Jesus first. Do you have a healthy and growing and nurturing and ongoing relationship with Jesus? If you pursue that first, your other relationships will fall in the line. So take that evaluation 
this week. Look at your relationships. Take these questions home. Look at all four of these questions. Look at all your relationships that you're in, your marriage, your friendships, your, your the relationships with your, with your parents, with your, with your children, with your siblings. Ask these four questions to yourself. One of the hardest things you might have to do is cut some of these relationships off. Now, I'm not talking about, well, Pastor Jeremy said I get to leave my wife. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there are some relationships in our life that are not the healthiest for us. What are you going to do about them? Because relationships are meant to be a gift, but they were never meant to replace God. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for the gift of relationships. Lord, I thank you for the relationships that I have in my life, Lord. Some are encouraging for me. Some are challenging for me. Some make me better. Some sharpen me. Some, like I said, hold up that mirror in front of me to, so I can truly see who you've created me to be. Those are good moments for me. Those are good friendships. Those are good relationships for me. But also help us all, Lord. Give us the boldness to evaluate our relationships, Lord. And if, if there are relationships that's taking from us, if there are relationships that are asking us to compromise our standards and our morals and our values and our ethics, Lord, help us, God, just to be bold enough to say no to those relationships and to stand up for truth, to stand up for your way and your will in our life, Lord. Lord, again, thank you, Lord, for this new series that we're in. Lord, we know that as we continue to dive into some of these things, Lord, you're going to show us areas in our life, Lord, that you are working on, that you're growing us, that you're maturing us. And we thank you for those moments, Lord Jesus. I pray over every single person in here, Lord, as we leave. Watch over us. Keep us safe. Bring us back next week, ready to love you, ready to serve you, ready to serve and bond with one another as in community, Lord, with each other because that's the way that you operate in us, in community. We love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.